Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 204 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Wow, I just know that you are going to enjoy listening to Karen, Ashley's mom today. She is really just an amazing woman, and I loved hearing her insights on grief, even though she's still relatively early, two and a half years into her grief journey. I don't want to go on too much longer because we do go a little bit long in this interview, but just know that you will really love her just as I did and know too that it does get a little bit emotional. So right now, just sit back and listen to Karen, Ashley's mom. Thank you so much, Karen, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. It is my, I'd say it's my pleasure, but it's not my pleasure. Right, right. <laughs> but I I am glad you came on and I mentioned this to you just briefly a couple of seconds ago. I'm so looking forward to talking to you because of all of the emails I've received, and please don't anyone else feel offended, but Karen's email and what she wrote to me was some of the most powerful, the most powerful words I've read from a grieving mom, just about many different issues. And as soon as I read them, I thought, oh, please, God, let Karen want to come on because it's so, you know, just valuable what she has to say. Because what ended up happening, Karen, originally, I heard about Karen, because Karen started donating. You donated to the Always Andy's Mom to the podcast through Give Butter, and I got a little email saying Karen Goodman interview or you know donated this money, and so I just sent you a quick little thank you, um, and you had said you'd done it in honor of your daughter Ashley, and so I sent you a thank you and said I'd love to hear more about Ashley if you'd want to, and then you just wrote beautiful, beautiful oh, words. Yes. So anyway, I do want to start out by just talking about your amazing Ashley and having us just learn a little bit more about her. Obviously, she's very easy to talk about. I can 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 go on on forever about her. She was like, she's our angel, right? And I apologize if if I, you know, cry during this. It's hard to, I find it almost impossible to mention her name or talk about her without crying. Yep. It is. It is. Ashley's born in 2000. February 21st, 2000, my husband and I had been dated a very long time uh, before we got married, spent a lot of years married before we had a child. So we were pretty well ready for her by the time she came around. We had worked in finance, so we spent a lot of hours at work. And then when she came around, obviously she changed our world. When she was born, she was the first grandchild on both sides. So my father had said that she changed everybody's title, right? Parents became grandparents. My, our siblings became aunts and uncles. Our parents became grandparents. We became parents. It was really an amazing shift uh-huh. in so many people's lives. And she was a sweet, adorable, easy baby. I mean, cute, chubby, easy, 
you know, we thought parenting, you know, we've got this in the bag. We took her where we went. She was quiet. She slept well. She ate well. She smiled all the time. It was a pleasure. She was sick a lot when she was younger. And we thought that was a little sort of typical of most children, but it got, it got pretty, the things that she had were unexplainable. Yeah. When Ashley was three, our pediatrician did her early, did her kindergarten vaccination titers and noticed that it was as if Ashley had never had any immunizations. So, and obviously she did. So Mm -hmm. she sent us to an immunologist who is an amazing, amazing woman, Dr. Charlotte Cunningham Rundles, who has just done amazing things and started her on a monthly infusion of IVIG to give her, you know, everything that she had and, and studied her, you know, because it was unclear as to exactly what her exact mutation was. That's what I was going to ask. So she didn't have a real specific diagnosis? Not initially. Eventually Mm -hmm. they did when the technology and some of the gene sequencing got a little more sophisticated. Um, She was Uh eventually diagnosed with a PI3 kinase mutation. Okay. Didn't it really change her her treatments? No, I wouldn't think so. Um, She had had monthly infusions of IVIG starting when she was three. And we just made that part of our life. Like that was just, we called it special medicine. We, we made a little mommy Ashley adventure out of every time I took her, we would do really fun things afterwards. Like when she was little, we would go to the American girl store. We would go for a ride around central park. We live in the city. So we, you know, I was like, you know, that's a great way to kind of take advantage of things in the city and make her feel special after each one of those. Um, But other than that, it was really, she had a very like typical childhood. We tried not to make a thing of it. Yeah. She went to a girl's school from kindergarten through 12th grade. So she was in a protected environment there. She basically did everything that like, I don't want to say normal because we don't like to use that word in our house, but like what like normal child, what normal kids did. She was just such a sweet little kid. I was an investment banker. And one day we were on the bus and she looked at me and she said, you know, mommy, when I grow up, I don't know if I want to be a bus driver or an investment banker. They both sound so interesting to me. (laughs) Because <laughs> the guy on the bus is really nice, and you know that's the kind of person that she was. She was really just easy and simple. And you know, like I said, Mark and I thought we were like amazing parents because we did everything. Yeah. You know, she was so easy. And then when she was five, I had my son Parker, who was incredibly rambunctious and moving around all the time. And then we realized, okay, so maybe it is the kid and not the parents. <laughs> Right. Maybe it's not that we're amazing parents. Maybe right. we just had a really easy kid. Right. Our, our babysitter, because I worked full time, our babysitter said that her name was Jenny Play With Me. <laughs> Jenny Play With Me. Because he was always trying to do anything. And Ashley was kind of go, you know, just yeah. be around. But, you know, as Ashley grew up, she she did, you know, a typical kinds of things. She would go to camp. She never went to sleepaway camp because she needed her monthly infusions. It was a little bit too risky. But she you know, did everything else. She took a ballet class. She, you know, did all those normal things. And if anything, we kept her schedule a little light to make, to not kind of overrun her. Sure. Which probably is not a bad idea for all kids anyway. <laughs> right. right. Give her a lot of flexible time. And, and, um, you know, where Parker had, you know, nine sports to go to, she had, you know, her little ballet class. It was, it was just really nice. She had uh, great friends growing up. She had, she always had like the right number of friends. You know how like people just sort of figure that out. She didn't need too many. She didn't need too few. She didn't have crazy teenage meltdowns. She didn't have crazy tantrums. She was always very level-headed, even keeled, a very B personality. You know, everybody talks about them being an A plus personality or an A 
she was really big and she was perfectly happy with it. You know, she just kind of figured out how to be in this world. She relationships were really important to her. Her friends didn't change that often, which also is a little atypical of of typical girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was very close to a lot of women in her life, very, very close to both of her grandmothers, straight through college, you know, daily interactions with each of her grandmothers, very close to her aunts. And even some of my girlfriends like had their own special relationship with Ashley. She was just, she just knew how to get into your heart and stay there. Yeah. And she, yeah, she, she was a beautiful soul. She really was just kind, easygoing, you know, school might not have been her favorite thing, but she tried her hardest Um, and she went to college. She, Mm -hmm. she went to a a school in Pennsylvania called Muhlenberg college, which was the most amazing. She made amazing friends there. She joined a sorority. She was, you know, she was beautifully happy really. Yeah. You know, when she was 18, she loved family get togethers And she was the kind of person who, like, if she heard she wasn't invited to a party, she'd be like, oh, you know what? That is a perfect idea. We'll go to grandma's house. We don't need to go to that party. We'll go to grandma's house. Like, she just, she just had just that way about her. Mm -hmm. Like I said, she loved relationships. Her and her brother were so close. They were as opposite as you can be, you know, five years apart, but they were best friends. They, I literally can count the number of times that they ever fought. Really amazing. My kids were always like that too. They just never did. They just don't. Like, they didn't have anything to fight over. You know, they were yeah. so, they each had their own lane yeah, and they stayed in it, which I don't know, makes it much easier family dynamic. There was, you know, really not a lot of challenges. You know, like I said, relationships are really important to her, but I was the center of her life and yeah. I knew it. She texted me a million times a day. Her favorite thing to say was, wait, mommy, but also, or mommy, what do you think? Or mommy, can I? Or mommy, should I? Or it, it was clear. I mean, at one time we had to say to her, Honey, maybe you shouldn't text me during classes. You can text me when it's over. You know, you're supposed to be paying attention or enjoy being with that friend. You can text me later. Like I was, I was, I was the center of her life. It's so funny. It gets me so emotional to hear you say that because I was really the center of Andy's too. I mean, his favorite expression was, Mom, I'm so excited. And it was just like, Mom, I'm so excited. All through. I mean, just. It's like one word. He would just be so excited to just tell me whatever. I mean, just, Mom, I'm so excited. Like the day he died, he he called me. We had a conversation. I had to go pick him up. Literally, he could not wait the five to seven minutes that it was going to take me to drive there to pick him up. He had to call me back and tell me something else that he was excited about because he literally couldn't wait the five minutes. You know, it just. So anyway, you saying that about Ashley just really reminds me of my Andy. And I don't think that's true of every parent child. You know? Oh, no. I mean, Andy always said that when he grew up, he was going to buy the Campbell's house next door so he could live next door. And he was fine. Like he would get married and have kids and all of this kind of stuff. But it had to be next door. (laughs) Like He was never going to go any further than that. It just just couldn't even imagine it. Right. Are your others as. No. Dependent. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. Right. 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 And I and I've said this to my husband before. I don't think I'm making that up. Like, I don't think trying to make it into something that it wasn't, you know, because obviously yeah. I can't. I, I, no, right. I don't think I'm either. I know. I'm right. Not. right. So, yeah, I mean, she she was the center of my life, too, though. Yeah. Right. Is my, yeah. my, my baby. She's my girl. And, you know, my son is incredibly independent, but she was not. And she was OK with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I Like I said, I could talk about her 
forever. <laughs> so do you want to now talk now about what happened to her? So I said Ashley had an immune disorder and she was, we were used to her being sick a lot. And when they were, she was sick, we would call her, call them Ashleyisms and okay. strange things that wouldn't be expected throughout life. And she was in college. She started to have really serious issues. We brought her home from the, I went to go pick her up. It was her sophomore year. I went to go pick her up, brought her home to the doctor. Her hemoglobin was dangerously low, like dangerously low. So she spent a couple of days in the hospital, had some transfusions. They gave her extra IVIG to see what was going on. She sort of felt better. She went back to school, but her health just deteriorated from there. And we had to go pick her back up, you know, two or three weeks later. And it was like in the middle of a sorority, something or other. So I was like weeding in the car <laughs> as she's like, her sorority sisters are like bringing her out to me because she could barely like hold her head up as she wanted to be at the sorority date, whatever it was, you know, she really, right. that was important to her. And so we brought her back to the doctor and long story short, in December of 2019, she was diagnosed with diffuse large B cell lymphoma. Yeah. So her mutation, her, her, when they understood her mutation, like later, in her life, they knew that lymphoma was a an increased likelihood right. for somebody with her particular mutation. Like I said, they were just starting to like really understand her particular mutation. And I wouldn't be surprised on a side note if more people that had complicated lymphomas had certain mutations like this that they probably just weren't diagnosed with. Um, right. We were just kind of, I don't want to say lucky enough because I hate using the word lucky, which we can talk about. Yeah. So Diffuse large B cell lymphoma has a pretty typical treatment schedule. Uh, she started it at the hospital where her immunologist was based because her throughout her life, she had an immunologist, a pulmonologist, a, you know, a nephrologist. She had a lot of different doctors because of her health issues. So I wanted to keep her in that health unit. I mean, in that yeah. you know, hospital unit just makes life so much easier. But we had Sloan Kettering as a consult, do like some consults with them throughout. She through the treatments, which like I said, are pretty planned. The RCHOP is just, you know, what you do for diffuse large B cell lymphoma. Her reactions were so off the charts, they couldn't control them. She had seizures from medications. She had at one point her throat swelled so greatly that she had to be intubated. I mean, they were just those kind of like very, she had portal hypertension. She just, it, like all these things that are not typical side effects of chemo or things that are exceedingly rare, but then she would just get all of them. Right. Oh, and she didn't even, I mean, the typical like nausea, she had that too, but it wasn't even that aggressive. And we always used to say that her reactions to medications were always different. Like her pediatrician knew how to tailor them. I knew how to tailor her medications, you know, like you just kind of get used to it, but this was, this was all off the charts. So we very quickly switched to MSK, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering. And what was interesting is that she left the hospital after being at Mount Sinai for 70 days because she was having such a hard time uh, in February of 2020. Now, if you think about what was happening in the world in February of 2020, right, it was yeah. the beginning of COVID where we didn't know it. But I am this to this day, I'm so grateful to the team at Mount Sinai because they sent us home with hundreds of masks and gloves. They're like, I don't know what's happening in this world, but take these, you'll need them. So when everybody yeah. couldn't get, you know, everybody was like yeah. talking about masks and gloves and we had stockpiles. It's obviously her, you know, she was compromised, but they're like, no, 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 just take extra. Trust me, you'll need that. Yeah. So we switched to MSK in February, 2020, and she, they determined that she would need a bone marrow transplant mm -hmm. because given that her immunologist who was at, at Mount Sinai and her new doctor at MSK 
we're working on a study together with the NIH about her particular mutation. And they all determined together that she would need a bone marrow transplant mm-hmm. and that it would be risky. And of course, I don't hear words like risky. I hear words like bone marrow transplant. I'm like, fine, let's just, you know, let's just do this. Like, yeah. like only way out is through power, power, power. Like we, I, I had such a, like such bumpers on my eyes. There was only one path right? Like it it was amazing. I went from being a full-time and partnered in an investment bank to 100% focusing on my daughter's life. That was it. And we were very lucky that she was under the pediatric umbrella because she was 21 and that could have been risky, but they kept her in pediatrics. So her transplant, I was there with her 24 seven. My husband was my son. It was, you know, we had to divide and conquer. Yeah. All in all over the time. I mean, Ashley and I basically spent in two less than two years, 250 nights in the hospital, maybe more. I mean, even counting it and thinking of it makes me nauseous to even think about like how many nights I slept on a chair and how many treatments and poking and prodding that she had to go through. I just, I can't believe it. But through it all, she was like a freaking gladiator. Like she was just like, yeah you know, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. You know, very, very few times she would say, this is too much for mommy. And, you know, yeah. but she didn't want to give up. She just, she, she wanted, she wanted to live. I mean, she did. And she knew she'd have to fight for it. Yeah. And she did. Oh God, fought. she fought, she fought, she fought. And, you know, we spent, we spent the next year and a half, basically mostly in, but sometimes out of MSK she had a hard time. It was like one nightmare after another, one mountain to climb. As soon as we got to the top of one, she was on her way up to another. And, you know, we developed some really amazing relationships at MSK because we were there so much. Look, it was COVID. We had no one to talk to. The nurses, the nutritionists, the MPs had no one to talk to. Ashley was 21. They'd come in our room. I mean, right, right. Thank goodness for things like The Bachelor. And reruns of Sex in the City. I mean, this is what they, these girls talked about. You know, they made friends. They, it was like a community. It was a world. The staff there is amazing. And they appreciated Ashley's kindness. Doesn't matter who came into the room. She would say good morning. She would say thank you. You know, she's like, she's like, mommy, they all complain about the coffee here. We should see if we could get like an espresso machine. So I couldn't do that. But I went and got like everybody's Starbucks gift cards because <laughs> they were all complaining about the coffee. And Ashley loved, she loved food. She loved food of all kinds. She So speaking with the nutritionist, she was thinking that maybe she'd go into nutrition when she kind of graduated. So she loved talking about food. She loved thinking about food. She would have the, the chef at MSK. She'd be like, I need some chicken lo mein. And they're like, oh, you can make that. <laughs> so was, and then she would like, she'd send a little note to the chef, like, thank you so much. That was so good. And so, yeah, it, but it, it is amazing what the human body can endure yeah. until it can't, until it can't. And I, I was very like learned and schooled in cancer and understanding how cancer patients taught, thought and talked. And, you know, we don't say that she lost her battle because she's not a loser, right? right? She fought. Right, I hate that. As I hate it too. Oh, I hate it so much. I know. And, and, and I, I, I give people credit, they don't think it through. No, they don't. Right? They don't. But it, it became too much for her little body, you know? She yeah. was, yeah. 
She tried so hard. She really did. And I love her for trying. And, and then on September 28th of 2021, at the age of 21 years, seven months and seven days, we lost her. And she was surrounded by her parents. And by this time, they let us have people visit. COVID was a yeah. little bit behind us and they knew our situation and they were so, and we had been there for so long. And we had a lot of people in her room in and out for a few days. Her friends came home from college to see her. College friends came home, you know, came to New York to see her. Her grandparents were here. My, her, her grandmother, her brother was with us. My sister-in-law, you know, she was really surrounded by everybody for days. And then she just yeah. couldn't do it anymore. They lost her. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I still sometimes can't believe that that all happened. Like the whole yeah. story I just said, like, I, I can't believe that that actually happened and that it happened right. to me. Right. Yeah. I, I'm totally agree. I mean, you just think, how is this my life? How is this my life? Right. How did I live through that? How am I living through my life now? It just doesn't seem to make sense sometimes, even now. I sometimes catch myself and I'm like, wait, what, what happened? How, how did that happen? Yeah. Right. Like, and that was like three years of my life. You know, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was her, her service was beautiful. You know, what our friends did for us that week was unbelievable. I mean, some of Mark's friends like drove him cemetery to like you know where we bury her she's 21 she didn't have like a you know yeah right, and right. His, all right i mean his friend you know those are things that you don't know how to say thank you for um her service was beautiful her pallbearers yeah. were all young beautiful women you know not the way it's supposed to be in life no you know our rabbis just but it, you know they were so helpful to us when she was sick and you know, just sort of started the service by saying, you know, exactly how we all felt like we can't believe like, there's no God that would want this to happen. And the whole thing about like faith and religion gets so twisted, right? Yeah. In this, it's, it's, it gets complicated. Right. I love what you wrote to me about what your rabbi went on to say, because your rabbi said, I can't believe in a God that would just allow this to happen. But then what did she go on to say? Because this is my but, favorite. But one. I do believe in a God that is crying with us yeah. and a God that will surround you with the love that you need to get through this. <laughs> yeah. And, That's what I loved. I love that second half. Yeah. It's so powerful. Right. And look, I mean, here we are. I mean, if you look at my husband and my son and I, I mean, I guess we're doing as well as we, you know, we could be. I mean, I, I don't like saying that I'm strong. I know you've talked about this recently. You know, the, the concept <laughs> of strength gives you agency. And this is not a choice, right? No. Yeah. You know, when I was in the hospital with her all those days, all those nights, all those weeks, all those months, my friends would say to me, oh, God, you're, you're so, this is so amazing what you're doing. And then I'd be at MSK and there'd be 32 of, there were 32 rooms, there were 32 of me, right? There were. Yeah. Right. And I, I thought about it like meeting a firefighter, right? Like if you meet a firefighter on the street, you're like, wow, you run into burning buildings and that's amazing. But then when the firefighter's in the firehouse, he's just surrounded by all the firefighters. Like, you know, you're not impressed with each other. 
So it's hard to right. Guess, right? Yeah. Like so, you know, so what what we do as parents is amazing, but but it's just we're just parents. Yep. Yep. You're just parents of sick kids and you're all you were all in that same boat together. And it's funny that your friends would say that to you because they would all have been you. Yeah. They all would have been. Yeah. They would have done the exact same thing. There's nothing more spectacular than that you did that they wouldn't have done because that's what you do when you're a parent. You're with your kids, you know? Think about when your babies were ba- like newborns and you're like, oh God, I cannot wake up one more night in the middle of the night to feed them. But you do. <laughs> But you do. But you do. Right? And that's what we did in the hospital. We just did. You know, you just do. And, it, and it's funny because I know they can't believe it. And they think, oh, what you're doing is so amazing. I can't believe it. But that's the thing. They just can't believe it. I mean, in some days when you really thought about it, you couldn't believe it either. You couldn't believe this is what you were doing because it doesn't seem real. Right. I did what? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I once ran a marathon. And I look back on that and I say, I did that. I remember, you know, <laughs> but no, yeah, it, this was like, wait, what, what happened? And again, like it, like everything just sort of like my life, like flashed before my eyes, like, but for two years straight. <laughs> and yeah. now it's just, now all I have is time to think about this and, you know, and uh, I hate the word lucky, but I am lucky in that we are privileged in that I did not have to go back to work. And I chose, I mean, I, yeah. I was thinking about leaving work soon anyway. So yeah. our firm got sold when Ashley was sick. Like it all kind of worked out that I have not gone back to work and I haven't. So now I have a lot of time, and a lot of time to yeah. think about, you know, restabilizing our family because, you know, it's a four-legged table with a missing leg. Yeah. You know, so how do you keep that standing? Mm-hmm. It's not easy and it takes work. And that's what I've made as my priority. That's what I've decided is my priority now. Right. And myself and understanding what I'm going through. And, oh, gosh, I have read so much. I know that you've talked about different books, you know, with different of your, you know, guests. And mm-hmm. Anytime I hear one that you mentioned, I write it down. I'm like reading it. I have listened to every podcast that you've had with Gwen, like over and over. She's amazing. She is amazing. And I really find it going back to the religion concept so interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, I was brought up Jewish. We raised our children Jewish. And uh, there's lots of complications in all religions after you go through what you are and I have gone through. Um, but I also find that so many different religions like offer the same ideas. Yeah. And so I, I'm just, I'm indifferent as to who I hear it from. Right. So I've listened to. Right. Right number of different pastors speak and a number of different rabbis speak and listen to you know podcasts where different people of different you know religions talk about grief and I I just I listen and I read and I listen and I read and I listen and I think there are beautiful traditions that oh, can be pulled from various different backgrounds oh. you know I I love that too I I mean I just I think of Shiva in the Jewish tradition being just beautiful. I just wish that more people would do that because it does, I don't know, it gives a real time for mourning and it's very intentional. And I love that. I look to the Muslim faith and their cleansing of the body that they do, that that moms I've gotten to talk to has done. I mean, that's a beautiful kind of thing to be able to do. Um, for your child as a, as in something that I certainly didn't do. And it's, 
anyway, I just feel like you can pull many things from different religious traditions that are quite beautiful. Yeah. And from, you know, lay people also who just have different ideas and different thoughts about, you know, rituals that they've gone through. Yeah. They don't have to be religious traditions either. They can be just other, other traditions in, in your family or that you've just feel comfortable with. And I, I kind of did that. I, I I was so lost. I I was so, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to even face the world. And I, I didn't know like what to do each day. So I needed some type of structure and I needed to keep Ashley in my life. Like I, it was really important to me that we, I kept her in the conversation. I didn't know exactly at first how to do that. Right. Like I, I tried, and I, and joining bereavement groups is not, it keeps her in the conversation, but it doesn't keep her in my conversation with her. You know, it doesn't keep our relationship alive. Yeah. And so there are a couple of things that I've found that I did. Um, I do yoga in her bedroom. Like I set up my yoga mat. Like she's like, it's like my little altar. It's her room. Yeah. And so when I'm doing yoga in her room, I feel like she's with me. I feel like it's our time together. Uh I go to the cemetery often. I paint the rocks in the Jewish religion. You you bring rocks to a cemetery and because they survive. Right, they're they're supposedly there forever, right? right? But I paint them all pretty colors, and now when you go, it kind of looks beautiful. Uh, oh, so I also, I would love to see a picture of that. I actually that never took to a see. photo of it, but I, you know what? I'll when I'm there next time, I'll send it to you. <laughs> I also struggled with how to keep her in my travels and in my day to day and what I do. So this is something I came up with. I have these bought these little rocks. They're you know maybe coin size and in a very pale uh-huh. paint, I paint her initials on them and I bring them with me places and I leave them behind. So when I go to the beach, I just yeah. leave a rock that has her initials on the beach. Cause she was with me when we go on vacation now, like I'll bring it with me and leave it on the beach there. Or when I'm at her grandparents' house, I go and drop it in their lawn and they're rock. So I'm not putting like garbage in their <laughs> bushes. Yeah. They're, they're rocks that kind of belong there, but they have our initials on them. And I drop them in Central Park when I walk through the park sometimes. That's funny because we did something similar. You know, we did our, our virtual support group when we all met and went to Ohio. We were all going to have, we were going to paint rocks and then we didn't. So we had to buy some kind of little rock stones type of thing. And they were, they were sort of some various colors, not like super bright, but there were some. And anyway, so I took some that had green in them for Andy with his green and we each took some and then we left them at various spots in Hawking Hill State Park and I left some just sitting right beside a little tree or well a big tree actually at the cabin where we stayed I just kind of went out a little little ways and just put one there and it just was it was just nice and we threw some in the stream like we've got some pictures of us throwing them to a waterfall uh that was there just you know, just felt like leaving little bits of our kids, you know. And doesn't it feel like he's like with you? Like, like, yeah, like yeah. it makes him part of the conversation. It makes him part of the activity. It makes him, it doesn't feel like we're leaving them behind. That instead they're coming with yeah. us, if that's possible. Well, and so much of what you're talking about is really, I think, relates to trying to find a little bit of purpose that you can wrap Ashley up in, right? Because 
I, I feel like now my life's so different than what it was before. And I like tried to struggle to find a new little purpose because things are a little bit different now. But I want the purpose to have Andy all wrapped up in it. And so that's like you, you're finding kind of your new way. And when you talk about trying to get your family back at this three-legged table and get it working a little bit again, well, Ashley's still got to be a part of that. That's right. Right? Yeah. Right? So Ashley's still part of that, but it is you finding your way with Ashley to do it with you. And it, and it's challenging. There's it, It's not easy. You know, and that's... Yeah. No. It's a daily grind. Right? Because it's not something that ever yeah. gets easy. You know, another thing I really wanted to talk to you about uh, is the power of words. Because you wrote so much about that in your initial email to me. And... I just really want to delve into that with you because it's it's important. It's important. You know, it's funny because when you said something about purpose, I, that's a, that's a word that you know a lot of people. You know, we do have a foundation for her, and that's you know we want to create a legacy and blah blah blah, and the purpose and finding purpose and meaning in your loss. And I'm like, there. I just want to make right. it very clear: there is this is there is no purpose for this, and it makes no sense. So there is no meaning. And while we're at it, like, I will never be able to accept it, right? Those are, these are words that are just, I trip over them. And those are the, those are the big words that I trip over. And I know you, yeah. Meaning and yeah. Meaning and purpose and acceptance. And like, even earlier when I said, you know, Mark and I are lucky to have these friends. I, 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 I have a hard time using that phrase now. Like I am. Yeah lucky to have such good friends but when i say but if you truncate it to i am lucky i i i can't say that i actually don't i won't articulate that because i'm not lucky i'm lucky to be ashley's mom and parker's mom yeah Um, but i don't want anybody to assume that i think that there's any part of my life right now or that there is there is a an entirety of my life that i feel lucky because there are parts that do i mean yeah you know Parker just graduated from, you know, from high school. It was so wonderful to have that celebration. And I'm so proud of him. And he is going to the same place that Mark and I went to college and we're, which is a Tufts University in Boston. And we're excited for him. And, you know, but those words just get so caught up in the, you know, in everything. And, and, there was one time you were talking to, I think it was probably Gwen, and she said something that was like bittersweet, you know, and people yeah. through Parker's graduation, a lot of people said, oh, this must be bittersweet for you. And and I do believe that people mean well. And I do believe that people yeah. do are not sincerely trying to say things that are going to upset me. But when you tell me that, that's, that his graduation is bittersweet, no. Bittersweet is when your own kid graduates kindergarten and they're going on to first grade and you're like, oh, that's bittersweet. Like their babyhood is over. Like, like this is heartbreakingly beautiful. This is, this is painful and gorgeous, you know? So those were like bittersweet. Well, and I had, and what you're talking about is when we were having the dedication yeah, ceremony yes. for the great room at the right. camp where Andy had gone to. And I was, I, and I did correct I her. And I, and I said, 
I said, there was nothing sweet about it. There was nothing sweet. And it was, it was bitter. It was heartbreaking. It was horrible. I mean, was it nice to see the camp counselors that were going to be using that space? Was it nice to see a picture of Andy that every single camper was going to walk by every day? Yeah, I mean, there was some good to that, but it wasn't to the point of being sweet at all. Right. Nothing was sweet. Right. It was just heart-wrenching it's heart to me. Right. And, and I, I almost feel like we should have our own language because, you know, their words like bittersweet and lucky are, are difficult. But given what's been going on in the world with COVID, and I know that you and one of your guests talked about the concept of grief and how people throw that word around. I find that word with yeah. trauma. You know, people are like, oh, my God, it was so traumatic. I, you know, I waited online for an hour. I was on hold for an hour. It was traumatic. I'm like, no, honey, that's not traumatic. Like, and I know that the, I know they mean no. frustrating and angry, but, but trauma is. <laughs> I mean, trauma is watching your son get killed in a car accident. Trauma is living through and watching your daughter die slowly yeah. over two years. That's trauma. That's trauma. No, that's trauma, right? And that is traumatic. And what we feel for them is grief. And I understand that there are people who have been through hard times and that they've had, they've yeah. even had traumas in their lives or with a, and I did hear one person use the concept of a capital T versus a lowercase T. Which I yeah, like okay. and a capital G versus a lowercase G, but in podcast world. Or even all caps. Let's just go all yeah. caps, all, right? Oh, I like that even better. I like that even better. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, there's no way anybody can understand the trauma or the grief that we've experienced. Yeah. It makes sense to me why people used to wear all black when they were in mourning. It's like, here I am. I am mourning. See me as being different from you. See, know that I've been yes. through something that you haven't been through. Yeah, you sometimes just feel like you want to wear a sign. I want to wear a sign, you know, that says my beloved son, Andy, is dead. Like, you know, I just want everybody to just kind of know it and treat me differently. And Gwen's talked about this too. Wouldn't it be nice if we all could have that sign on that somehow now people are going to treat you a little bit better instead of just assuming it's just like everybody else. Right. And it's funny because even I've said in to people with the pandemic, like I, I've said everyone's grieving something and I will say things because I know it's like the right thing right. to say. I do too. <laughs> but do I feel it really? No. No, I don't really no. feel that way. I yeah. can't. My, my heart doesn't break for somebody whose child didn't go to the prom, you know, that they missed the prom. It is, right. it is upsetting, but they and their whole entire Everybody in America that's that year have missed that problem. And that's, and that, that kid, it's unfair. No question. Right. My son missed a baseball season or two. It's unfair. He missed a summer camp. It's unfair. But he lost his sister. And that's grief, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. I always think back to the end of 2020 and the huge joke that 2020 was the worst year ever and whatever. All of that, like, didn't even hold right. a candle. Didn't even hold a candle to what 2018 was for right. me. Didn't hold a candle to what 2021 would be for you, right? I mean, right. it's just, it, yeah. it, it bothers me when it's brought up in kind of a lighthearted way almost that we all like suffered together through this time when 
everyone's suffering wasn't the same. Yeah, and it it, it doesn't it just doesn't do it justice. And and, and you're saying that like you wanted yeah. to wear a sign. How do you tell people like what like when you're in new situations? You know what language do you use? Oh, it's incredibly hard. It's really funny because just two weeks ago we're out golfing because I'm in this golf league and these two women we golfed with we golfed with them last year last year the woman asked me about my kids I had to talk about the fact that my middle son was dead and I started to cry and get upset okay this year we're golf we only golf with them like once a year I don't know them that well this year we get on and we're finishing up like we're on starting the second hole or something well how are your kids doing okay all she really wants is to tell me about her grandchildren. I know that's what she wants. Like, just tell me about your grandchildren. You don't need to ask me the cursory, you know, the, the polite question because you don't really care. Because if you really cared when you asked last year, you would have remembered that my child is dead and I probably don't want to talk about it. So instead, you know, how are your kids doing? So my golf partner quickly jumps in and tells all about her kids. And then we get in the golf cart and move. And I said, I hate that question. And she said, I know you do. That's why I answered it so fast for you. So you didn't have to. And she said, and when she does it again, I'm going to ask her very quickly about her kids. Um, which, of course, she asked again. And my golf partner very quickly went on, changed the subject, whatever. And then she said something about hold your youngest. I even said then, my youngest is 16. Because I thought, oh, I can do that. Because I just don't want to do it because I've already done it with them. I've already told them about Andy. I don't want to put my heart through it again because she's just going to ask me again next year because she's not going to remember again, right? So, but what ends up happening the fourth time she asked me, I finally just said, well, I have three children, but my middle one is, my middle one died and I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and I was like, and then I, said to my golf partner I'm sure that probably sounded rude but I don't care I like I tried very politely she tried very politely to go back and just let her talk about her grandchildren which is what she really wanted to talk about and she did continue to talk about fine like it's just too much to put myself through it when I know the person really doesn't care no and maybe that's being sort of judgmental but it kind of I mean I knew she didn't care because she didn't remember right it's funny that you say that because my issue is who do I trust with this information yeah and she was not worked you couldn't trust her Jimmy because no and when I was at an event the other night my son is going to college we went there you know meeting it's a it's a whole new world right these are all new kids and all new parents and nobody knows us from anything and very unprotected environment as we would say yes Yes, yes. And everybody's trying to get to know each other. So it's not like you want to drop this bomb. Right. I do try to, what I call, go for the soft landing. You know, the, the, I, it's yeah. complicated. And if somebody said, like, and then I'm like, wait, but I don't want them to think that, like, I'm estranged from my daughter or, or that I have a child that I, you know, that I get, I, I don't know, whatever other things it could be, they could assume, because I don't think people would assume, oh, right. she had cancer and, you know, we lost her. Like, I don't think that would be their first Died, assumption. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So then when I feel like I might ever see these people again, I want them to know the truth because it's not like I want to then tell them the third yeah. or fourth time I meet them. Cause then it's like, wait, why don't you tell me at the beginning? So I, what I got, I talk about going for the soft landing by saying something like, I know this is not what you'd expect to hear, but you know, we lost our daughter a year and a half ago and 
at the age of 21 and she was Parker's older sister, you know, because at least it gives them a, like, I don't like to drop the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause then, I, you know, it's hard, but it is about who I trust with the information. Because I do say that when I go for coffee and the barista says, so how are the kids doing? They're great. You know, <laughs> like he doesn't, yeah, you know, well, how's right. your day going? Oh, it's fine. Right. right. How many kids? Like those kind of, those kind of people that, by the way, are my favorite people because the baristas literally make my day, but (laughs) they don't need to know. I don't need to trust them with my, my, my truth. Yeah. And it's interesting because when my son is going through that a little bit now, because when he meets people in college, obviously it's not the first thing that 18 year olds want to talk about, but then if you get to know them pretty well, say it later is weird, you know? So it's just a, yeah, everything is complicated that way. Right. Everything is complicated because I see my life. Everyone's like, oh, through Ashley's eyes. I'm like, no, through Ashley's absence. Right. Like everything reminds me that she's not here. Every conversation, every everything. Yeah. And one mom I said said she sees everything through the lens of her missing child. Like it's just such a, I thought that was such an astute statement because it does capture how I feel. You know, her, it's her absence that I just feel feel so strongly. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to even explain to somebody you can't. what that feels like. No, you can't. When I say I want to keep her name on the conversation and please anybody who's listening to this, I'm not crazy. I do not. I, I my therapist says it's okay. So I will sometimes <laughs> if I'm home alone or even now when I do it sometimes in front of my husband or my son, if I'm going into her room, I'll be like, Hey Ash, I'm just coming in for a second. Like, Hey Ash, do you have a t-shirt I can borrow? Because well, when you and I are talking about her, we'll use her name Ashley or her middle name was Hope. So we talk about Ashley Hope a lot, but I don't get to say, hey, Ash, ever. Like, I don't ever get to call for her. I don't get to use her nicks. Yeah. I don't, you know, that is what is so painstakingly absent from life. Yeah. I can't explain it, but you don't, your conversations with your kids, especially as a mom, are half the time just calling for them. Are you ready? Right. Put your shoes on. Right. And I don't get to do that. So I do it. Yeah. So I do it. I love that. I think I might start doing that. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, Andy, I'm just using your room for a podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's just such a little, my, my son at first was like, you okay? I was like, I'm fine. I'm just, I don't, you know, Ashley and I were similar size. So I wear her clothes, which you can't do with Andy, but I wear her clothes all, all the time. You know what I can wear? What, you know what I can wear? He bought, we bought him a brand new pair of tennis shoes um, right before he died, the week before he died. And they're my size. So I wear his tennis shoes sometimes. Oh. Yeah. This is the difference between having friends and having other bereaved mom friends. Is I'm sure your friends say, oh, I understand. And I will say, <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> I do the same thing. I wear her yeah. shoes. Like I've given some of her things to some of her friends, like her very dear friends. Like one of them said to me, like, would you mind if I had her jean jacket? She once lent it to me. And I was like, oh my God, here, like knowing that you want that of hers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did that. And I, and I gave one of her very dear friends a bracelet. Sophie had given Ashley a bracelet for her birthday and I gave it back to Sophie. And I said, you wear this because she can't. Yeah. Right. So but other than that, I have part of nothing. They're all, you know, everything's here. But wow, 
<laughs> I know, I know. And like you said, this is like the new me. This is the new, it's where we are. It's a life that I didn't expect to lead. It's not how I saw my future. No. I didn't necessarily have like a vision of perfection. Like Ashley struggled with some things in life. And I knew that like, was she going to graduate college in four years? Maybe, but maybe not. You know, like she'd get there eventually. Yeah. You know, maybe not. So... <laughs> Uh, she'd graduate eventually was she, you know, she, but this is not how I pictured my life. You know, this is not how I saw it. So I'm trying my hardest to, I don't want to say make the best of it because I'm not trying to make lemonade out of, lemon, you know, out of, you know, rotten lemons. I'm really, no. I, I'm trying to stay above water. You know, I'm tr- trying to, you know, keep swimming, I'm trying to all those metaphors, you know, all those you know, all the ways of looking at things and thinking about it, but it's, it's a job and it's a process and it's a journey and it takes, you know, it takes a lot of work, you know, and, and I'm trying to put in the work. Like I said, I, I think movement is incredibly important. I said, I do yoga a lot, but I also walk everywhere. I, I live in midtown Manhattan. I met a brief mom in a group through MSK and we were talking, she lives in Brooklyn. We decided to meet for coffee. I'm like, oh, I'll come meet you. And I walked to Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, which is not like a typical thing to do. But I, I think moving your body is so important. And I listen to, like I said, I've read so many books. I listen to audiobooks. I listen to podcasts. I, you know, try to understand this as best I can. I know that there's no way that I'm ever going to understand it because it's, it's incomprehensible. Yeah. It's not something to get your arms around, but I'm trying, even though I know. Yeah. You know, there's that saying that Ashley had had a, actually on the board of her hospital room, the only way out is through, right? She had to go through a lot of treatments, but she thought that there'd be, you know, a way out. And kind of what we're going through, there is no through, right? There's no other side, right? Yeah. It's just a weird thing that there's no other end to this tunnel. There's no kind of light at the end of the right. tunnel. There's the way I think about it, there's joy in the tunnel. There's laughter in the tunnel. There are beautiful sunsets in the tunnel. There's lots of friendships. There's, you know, parties and graduations and my niece's bat mitzvah. And there's lots of things in the tunnel that show that have light, but there's no light at the end. There's no end to the tunnel. Yeah, it's just that the, that is just life. Right. Life is in the tunnel. Right. That's just what it is. And there can still be beautiful things. The tunnel can still have parts that are quite beautiful. Yeah. And it's so funny because in some ways, I like the word through better than over. Because over is, you know, or past, getting past it or getting over it. That Because I do like the fact that when you're working through something, that means it's with you continuously. Yeah. So I like that analogy more, but not through like you're getting to the end, Correct. but through like you're walking through a forest that's just with you, yeah. right? You're not walking past the forest. No. You're just in it. Right. And it is the way that life is, is that you are just in it. it yeah and it's no getting past or through or past or over it and I, I i sometimes can't believe that this is well i often can't believe that this is how i'm spending my time and what i'm doing but you know i said that i also like i'm not a crazy person i'm really not but sometimes i'll put in my airpods and walk on the streets in the city talking to ashley right like nobody like i have airpods on i could be talking to you on the phone right we could be having a conversation but i talk to her <laughs> <laughs> so like oh gosh I'm one of those crazy ladies that you know I might be I don't know know. you know what if you are great right (laughs) I know I know that is that is okay that is okay but 
And I like that plan yeah. too. Right. Calling out for Andy and yeah. Andy boy. I always call them Andy boy. Right. Hey, Andy boy. I don't know why I did. <laughs> but I just did. Right. And that probably been a long time since you said that. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my son doesn't call me mommy. He calls me mom. Ashley called me mommy. So when I write her letters, because I try to write her. I'm not a big, huge journaler, but I try because people do tell you that it helps. So I try because I'll try anything. <laughs> but I write my journal's right. letters to her that start the way I would write her like a text. Hey, my angel girl or hi, my warrior princess or, you know. And it always says, love mommy, because I don't, yeah. I don't get to say love mommy anymore, you know? No, I'm sure not. And it's just a weird, I don't know, just all these little things that I think people understand the big things. They understand that when I show up to Parker's graduation, yeah. yep. Ashley's not with me and that's hard. And that is crystal clear to anybody that knows me well or not well. You know, she's missing. She yeah. was not at my niece's vomit, so it was a huge gaping hole. But in every it's the everyday life little things yeah right yeah it's the fact that i can't play around a golf right. you know without it really seriously affecting me and i don't think she would have had any idea the how painful all right. of that 15 minutes of me trying to avoid that question was and how much just pain that was invoking on me and anxiety and all of that there's no way she thought no and like I said, I like to think people are good. It, it's at, it's but. Women's Golf League night. My kids are never there. No one's right. kids are there. It shouldn't affect me at that moment. But yet it does because every moment of every day, his absence is clear. Right? Whether he would be there or not. Ashley shouldn't be living in your home right now. No. Right? She should be Correct. finishing up college or whatever yeah. on her own. People might think, well, it's probably not as difficult for Karen because Ashley wasn't even at home anymore. She was away at college. <laughs> no, no. Every day, every day, even if she would have been at college, there is a big difference between knowing your kid is safe in their dorm room at college and having them be in the cemetery. Yeah. You know. I'm grateful for my son because he understands that. I struggle greatly. I, I just want to know where she is, like where is she? And he knows that if I ever say all okay, he will say, yep, I'm at so-and-so because he knows I need to know where he is. Yeah. I'm not checking on him from a curfew perspective or doing anything wrong. He knows that I struggle yeah. not knowing where Ashley is. I mean, do you ever think like, where is Andy? Yeah. Like, do you ever ask yourself that question? Like, where is he? Yeah, I, yeah, well, and, and it's funny that you say that too, because I then struggled that with my own kids and with my daughter, especially she went away to college and I wanted to always know where she was and she wasn't always responding to texts and it would get me freaked out. And the therapist, her therapist said to me that, you know, it wasn't good that I wanted to know where she was. And I just was like, have you ever worked with a bereaved mom before? with a mom whose child had died? And she said, no. And I was like, well, clearly not. Because you can't understand that my need to know that. And then she's like, well, that sounds like a problem you need to work on with your therapist. Like, honey, no. I mean, that is not, I can't like get that better. That's not going to be better. You'll never get the answer. We are always going to have this fear. And when my daughter wouldn't text me back for a few days, where does my mind go? Oh. Right? Right. 
Like I can't like that has to be something that the people around you have to understand that that's the way it is. And maybe that's not normal that all college kids don't have to have be able to tell their mom where they are. But you know what? Your mom is different. Because, <laughs> Your yeah, mom does need to exactly know. That's exactly right. And because I don't know where she is. So I have to know where he is. Yeah. I mean, do you ever wonder where Andy is? Do you ever, do you, do you find him different places? Do you think of him? You know, I like to just think of him in heaven. Me too. I do. I just like to think of him in heaven. But, you know, I've heard different things about cardinals sometimes and butterflies and dragonflies and there is a cardinal when I'm driving down my neighborhood a cardinal will invariably like try to fly past my car in front of the window all the time and or when the wind chimes go outside I sometimes will just say hi Andy you know and I don't know if he's in the wind in the wind chime or the or the cardinal or whatever but it just gives me a little moment to say, hey, you know. I was walking the other day and I always think about hearts connected to Ashley. She was a girl. She, yeah. you know, she would write XO, heart, heart, you know, whenever she texted me or wrote me anything. And there's a pink heart like painted on the sidewalk. And I took a picture of it and I went back and like wasn't there. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I found a different pink heart painted on the sidewalk somewhere else, like in our neighborhood, in the city, like on the streets of the city. Like, on, so I, I don't know, even if it's not, even if she yeah. didn't put it there, it makes me think of her. So therefore it is a sign of my love for her. So it doesn't, so it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter yeah. if just maybe that, maybe that cardinal flies past every car that drives down that corner of our neighborhood all the time. It doesn't matter for me. It was from, it's from me every right. time. I believe right. it too. I believe it too, because I know that when I talk to her, I always look up. I always look up and I uh-huh. feel like I can almost see her face in the sky. Like I can see it. Yeah. On, like, especially on sunny days. But so I, I think she's up. I, I, I don't know particularly, but I just, you know, I sometimes like when I write my journal and I write to her, I'm like, where are you? Like, where are you? You know, yeah. my husband woke me the other morning and said I had a dream about her last night. I was like, oh, and my first reaction was lucky you. Lucky you. Like he got to be with her while he was sleeping. I know. I can understand people who don't like to dream about their children because they wake up and the reality is the reality. But my view is that the reality is the reality no matter what. So if I get to spend those, what feels like five minutes at night with her, that was a good night. Great. Good yeah, that'd be a really good yeah. night. That'd be a really good night. Oh, well, thank you so much, Karen, for this emotional, <laughs> wonderful interview. I just loved it so much, even though I'm crying <laughs> like crazy. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Ashley with us and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, I mean, I just have to say thank you to you for providing, you know, moms like me a place and, and a way where we could you know, dedicate times to ourselves and to think about our children and to help each other. You know, one of the things I kind of said to you earlier is that I have this belief that that um, bereaved moms have a responsibility, you know, to take care of yeah. each other, particularly those that have experienced this after you did and have the kind of permission to look to women who have come before them for guidance. So thank you for yeah. providing guidance. 
and I'm, I'm grateful that they're and thank you to many of my guests for providing guidance for me too and to me when I listen to them because so. that's what we do and it's what we do for each other thanks for listening if you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast please leave a 5 star rating and comment to help financially you can text Andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.